You guys, today is a very special episode of the podcast because I have senior pastor of Northbrook Church, Mike Vellante, joining us. Now, Mike is a very special person to the Breyer family because he actually married my husband and I. Mike is most passionate about his wife, kids, and practically applying the message of Jesus in real everyday life. He loves reading, golf, the Buffalo Bills, Dave Matthews Band, drinking good coffee, and walking his dog Arlo. You guys are not going to want to miss Mike sharing his bravest moment and sharing some really awesome stories with us. Hello and welcome to Be Brave with Emma B. I'm Emma, your host, and I'm so excited that you're here. In a world that fills us with stories of fear and anxiety, I'm here to share stories of bravery and fearlessness. I'm bringing on some of the bravest people I know and sharing some stories of my own to show you why anyone can choose to be brave if they have faith and surround themselves with encouraging people. So come along. Let's be brave together. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the show. Hi, Emma. Thanks for having me. I'm just so, so excited to have you on. I've been looking forward to this interview for a while because you just inspire me a ton. And um, in the moments we've gotten to work together, I just, I don't know, I just am so excited to hear what your bravest moment is. So we're going to dive right in and then we're going to hear a little bit more of your story. Um, But Mike, what is the bravest thing that you've ever done? Yeah. So when I, when I heard that question, it really, really caused me to do some deep thinking and soul searching because I don't necessarily consider myself a brave person per se. But when I read the question, my mind my mind immediately went back to uh, 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in 1997, I was graduating from from college and making all the big life decisions that you make coming out of college. And one of my goals was to move closer to my family who lives they live in Detroit, Michigan. And so I was looking for jobs. You know, I, I went to school to be a pastor, so looking for open churches. And um, I was offered a really high-paying job at a at a really large church just outside the Detroit area, so very close to my parents. Okay. And it was like every every you know Bible college graduate's dream job. Mm. Something didn't feel right about it. And right around that time, I received another call from a church in the inner city of Los Angeles. And they asked if I would come and be their their youth pastor and work at their drug and alcohol rehab place. Wow! And the big difference was, um, you know, this church in Detroit was going to give me a lot of stability, probably make make my resume look great, Mm. offering me a lot of money for 1997, whereas Los Angeles was offering me just under $6,000 a year, oh my not goodness. a month, a year. Um, and in a really bad neighborhood, lots of violence, gangs, drugs, um, all the things that uh, you hear about in the news in large urban areas. And I just really sensed that I was supposed to turn the job down in Detroit and move my new wife uh, to Los Angeles, California, to a really bad neighborhood and serve that community. And so that's what I did. And it was a, it was a, it was a courageous moment to try and, to try and, you know, justify that decision in my mind, but in my spirit, I knew it was the right thing to do. And I I don't regret it. Oh, 
Okay. So follow-up question. So just so I understand this, right. So you had the job in Detroit near your family, like that was set to go and you just veered the other direction to Los Angeles. Like that, that's, that's crazy, but that's, that's wild. So tell me like, what was it that like made you do that? Like what, what was it that you're like, no, I feel like God calling me to Los Angeles. You know, there's a few things. Um, I, you know, when I was younger, I did an internship in Chicago in, in college in my early twenties and just really fell in love with, with the urban area and just thought that maybe part of my ministry would be spent serving the urban population, particularly the poor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Detroit job was in a very nice suburb. It offered everything, you know, you, you would think a person would want, but it just, it, it almost seemed too easy. And I, I realized I did not become a pastor f- for money mm-hmm. or for prestige or notoriety. Uh, I went in it to serve people. Mm-hmm. And though Los Angeles was a, a greater sacrifice on my part, particularly financially, um, it seemed like a greater opportunity to serve people. Okay. Wow. So I'm going to like backtrack a little bit and then I want to hear a little bit more about the time in Los Angeles and what that was like. What called you to become a pastor? Like how did you decide you wanted to come up become a pastor in the first place? Yeah, so I um my my teenage years were pretty rough. Mm. My parents still refer to them as the dark years and they were right. I mean, I I was a fairly rebellious rebellious obnoxious teenager that just was going down a pretty dark path mm-hmm. and a friend of mine invited me to his youth group at his church and I went um, because I had nothing better to do and I went I went and it was it was okay but I I went back the next week because well honestly because there was a girl that I thought was cute and that's <laughs> why I went back and I'm 16 I'm 16 years old so I went back the next week and, you know, I, I just felt something. And in that moment, I, I realized that what I needed was, was God in my life. And so I mm-hmm. gave my life to Christ. And from that point on, I wanted, I, I kind of changed my trajectory. I, I originally thought I want, was going to be like a, a zoologist. I love animals. Wow. Yeah. But I decided, I kind of almost felt called that, no, I was really supposed to, to help people and go into some kind of people helping field and ministry seemed like a good fit for me. That's awesome. That's how I ended up here. Very cool. Very cool. Well, definitely. I mean, obviously working with you and getting the opportunity to like be at our church and listen to your sermons. I mean, definitely your calling, which is super cool. And it's, it's interesting because I, I didn't really know that about your past that like you had a really dark time in their teenage years. And I, I really think that's going to be encouraging to people because I, a lot of times, like when you hear people become pastors, they're like, oh, like my dad was a pastor or I just grew up in the church or, um, but it's really cool to hear your story of like, no, like you were going down actually like a dark path and it took a friend bringing you to youth group. So that's, that's super cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so now I guess take me now we're going to come back to Los Angeles. What was that like? So it's like, it's crazy to me because you're probably thinking 
in some of those times when you're in LA, like, okay, you had this other opportunity. So like, walk me through what it was like serving for that community. And did you ever have like, I guess, doubts about being there or what was that whole experience like? Yeah, I, I did. Um, there were always doubts. I mean, it, the city of Los Angeles, uh, I mean, this, again, this is in the nineties. I don't know mm. what it's like now, but, um, just difficult, uh, a lot of, oh my, all, anything that you think is in a major urban area is in Los Angeles. And when I went went there, uh, the first challenge that, you know, I was confronted with was uh, I am, you know, I'm, I'm a, a Caucasian male mm-hmm. and everyone in my ministry was African-American. Mm. And the, the, uh, the pastor that I replaced, who ironically, his name was Mike, uh, <laughs> was also an African-American pastor, great guy. He went to go plant a church in a different part of the city. Wow. And so there was, there was this kind of challenge uh, in that uh, I wasn't accepted right away. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I, I did not grow up in an in inner city. Uh, I grew up in a suburb mm-hmm. and my dad was, you know, kind of a white collar businessman. But, you know, after being there a couple of years, it, it was, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved the kids I worked with. I, I'd formed quite a relationship with them. And, you know, these kids went to a really rough high school. And, I mean, the first day of high school that we were there, there was a shooting on campus, oh a gang-related shooting. And so, and these kids, you know, that, that we worked with, uh, many of them didn't have dads. Uh, many of them lived in just horrific circumstances, mothers that were prostitutes, all kinds of things. And so I kind of became that surrogate safe place. And many of them would come to my office after school almost every day just to hang out with me because Rebecca and I kind of were there and would listen and came alongside them in life. So, you know, the living condition was difficult. You just couldn't go walk around the streets at night. It was dangerous. Um, and again, you know, we lived in well below the poverty line. So, you know, just day-to-day living was a challenge. Um, and food, just buying food was always kind of always a dance based on our budget. So a lot of challenges, uh, a lot of eye-opening things, but, but good. I mean, I, I I was actually really broken when I had to leave there. Mm. Uh, That's how much I love those kids. Yeah. So I mean, that sounds absolutely incredible. Not, I mean, not something that most people could do. I mean, that definitely takes like the power of the Holy Spirit. And like, I'm sure like knowing that that was where you were supposed to be, I'm sure gave you that strength, like knowing like, nope, this is where God has me. But I'm I'm sure, yeah, lots of moments where working with youth in general, I mean, you know, I work um, at an elementary school, not exactly the same climate you're talking about, but I mean, working with youth in general is a challenge. And then you add on all those like precipitating factors you were talking about. That's yeah, that's a lot. And I'm just wondering from like a marriage standpoint, you said you and Rebecca had just gotten first married. How was that? Like, how was it being newly married and then also having to like navigate all the challenges of that job? Yeah, that was a lot. Um, you know, that's, I don't have any regrets about the job, but if I if I had to name a a situation that would give me pause, it was it was that. Mm. I mean, we're we're newly married and we lived in 
a one room, not a one bedroom, a one room studio apartment that was on the property of the church and the the room next door to us was the dormitory for the rehab clinic where the residents that were going through drug detox lived and so i mean being newly married that was not an ideal situation no if i could change anything it would be that if i could Mm. figure out a different living situation um so that was challenging and you know just just the pressure of learning how to be a pastor but not just how to be a pastor but being a pastor in a very challenging environment um those those definitely those definitely were a little bit wearing i think at times on our marriage absolutely yeah but i mean clearly all those moments lead you to be even more strong. And I, I mean, being newly married, I can't even imagine being in that circumstance. I mean, you know, you married me and my husband, Sam, and I just, I'm thinking about that. I'm like, wow, that, that would be, that would be crazy. Um, do you have like a moment from that time in your life that like sticks out that you were like, wow, that was really cool. Or, oh, I could really see how God was like speaking to me then, or like working like through me to the kids. Do you have any like moments that stick out? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of moments from those times because I developed a very deep relationship. My wife and I both did mm-hmm. a deep relationship with with those kids uh, from Los Angeles. And a matter of fact, every once in a while, we still hear from one or two of them. Oh, uh, they message us and let us know how they're how they're doing. Uh, and m- many of them, you know, are, are doing okay. Uh, God has just provided a way for them to get out of their very difficult situation and and thrive which is really cool to see yeah but what i'll what i'll never forget which is such a a a small thing but really profound when you consider working with people Mm -hmm. you know i like anyone else had office hours that I, i kept at the church and i had work that needed to be done but these kids would just come to my office after school sometimes every day and just sit in my office and do their homework while I sat and did my work simply because they wanted to be in a place where they knew someone cared about them. And so, I mean, I had a very small office and I crammed like 10 or 12 kids in there and they've just sit around with no agenda. They just wanted to be there. Hmm. And I think the greatest gift that we give uh, to people is the gift of presence, mm-hmm. just simply showing up for each other. And I don't think it's, it's the big sensational things that that cause lasting impact. I think it's the everyday moment of showing up in the lives of other people that mm. really that's that's beautiful. Um, I do think that like we almost like overthink sometimes like, oh, well, I have to like if this person's struggling with this, then I have to like go and fix it or I have to do this like big thing. But like you said, like i I really think like you just being simply in the same room as those kids probably gave them so much comfort because I'm sure in their situations, like they didn't have adults to do that with them. Like I'm sure their parents were working a million jobs or like you said, maybe some of them were incarcerated or had parents that were struggling with substance abuse. And you literally just like being in the same room as them probably just changed their whole life, which is just so cool. And 
I don't know. I, in my own job, like sometimes when I'm working with kids, I like will like question myself and be like, well, did I say that right? Or did I give them the right like advice? And I think that's where I go back to like my faith. And I have to remember like, no, like Holy Spirit like can work within you just to like give people peace by being in their presence. And it just sounds like that's exactly what you did for those kids. And that's just, that's just phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing that story. So now moving on from LA, how did, I guess, how did you leave that situation? Cause it sounds like you like loved it and it was extremely fulfilling, but then where, where did you and Rebecca end up next? Yeah. So that, that's where the, the story gets a bit complicated and it didn't, it didn't, it didn't end the way I would have hoped it would have. But so basically what happened is we decided that, um, you know, that living on the, the campus of that church was just not sustainable. Mm. purely for a new marriage. So basically what happened is my my wife was <clears throat> working on a contract with one of the public school systems and the 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 elementary school was in desperate need of kindergarten teachers mm. because <clears throat> I mean people just didn't want to go work in that school. And so the principal recruited my wife to um get an emergency credential from the state of California. To serve as a kindergarten teacher. Her bachelor's degree is in theology and pastoral counseling. Oh my gosh! It's not an education degree, but it was. They they were they were in such crisis with teachers that they said, okay. So they gave her this provisional emergency credential to teach kindergarten while she worked on getting a full credential. So that increased that that changed our financial outlook. So we were able to rent an apartment. Wow. So we moved out of the, the church property and about halfway through the school year, the state of California came back and said, We're, we are not going to accept this bachelor's degree because it's not educational in focus. What? <laughs> so they were, yeah. So they revoked her teaching credential and she had to leave the classroom immediately. Oh my which goodness. Meant, yeah. All of our, a lot of our income went with it too. So that just did not, I'm like, I, we were like, what do we do? And so just through thinking and, and talking, we, we thought maybe, maybe a chapter was closing and the place that I worked, they did not allow their staff to work another job, even though we made very little. Mm-hmm. And so we just knew it wasn't sustainable for us to do that. And so we made the hard decision to leave. I was offered a job uh, as a youth pastor at a church plant, a church startup in Colorado Springs, which is where my wife's parents live. And so we moved from Los Angeles to Colorado Springs, moved in with her parents. And uh, I worked part-time at this brand new church. As the youth pastor, I drove a truck part-time, a delivery truck, and I substitute taught in middle school and high school. I didn't know. That. Oh my goodness. Time. Yeah. <laughs> just to, just to make ends meet. So that was the second thing that we did. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I love Colorado Springs. Was that a cool area to be? Yeah. I like to snowboard. So that was, that was really cool. And it wow. was, it was nice being by family. My wife's family all lives there in that area. And, you know, I, we could see Pikes Peak from our driveway. So it was a cool, a cool experience. Cool phase of life. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I love because we are out there a couple times a year, which, you know, visiting Evan. And I just think it's yep. like, I don't know. I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the whole world. Um, 
to be, it's just awesome. But like, what was, what was that job like for you? And what was your family life like then? Yeah. So I, again, I went as the youth pastor for this church plant. Um, and I mean, it was, it was better, uh, you know, shortly after we moved there, I was working those three jobs and we ironically qualified for government subsidized housing. Mm. So we were able to move into a townhouse. Uh, and uh, so that was what we did for a while. But then the church grew and the church was able to hire me full time. And so we were able to, able to buy a house, which we did. And after five years of being the youth pastor at that church, which I loved, it was a really good experience being the youth pastor uh, there in Colorado Springs. Saw a lot of good things happen, a lot of fruit. But then uh, five years in, the founding pastor, who was also my friend, chose to resign and went to do something different. And they asked me if I would take over uh, wow. his job. I was 28 years old. And I'd never been a senior pastor before, and I was ambitious, thought I could change the world. And so I, I left the youth pastor role and took over the job as the senior pastor of that church for five years. And it was probably the five worst years of my life. Oh, my it God. Was, well, tell me about that. Yeah. Why was, it was that? A, it was a horrible experience. Um, I think in a couple things the the first reason is that i wasn't ready for it that's the first reason i just wasn't ready prepared trained to make that big of a jump all of a sudden hmm. but the big i think the bigger reason was the church loved me as the youth pastor but not as much as the senior pastor uh they saw me as young and inexperienced which was both true and there were some ideological differences on how a church should be run between myself and the congregation. I was very different than the founding pastor. And uh, so I, I did it for five years and it, it worked. It was okay. But there was just a lot, a lot. Of, it was hard on my family. There were people in that church that were very critical mm. of my family, of me, made day-to-day -day living very difficult. And so, you know, that put me in that church a total of 10 years and I, I stuck it out as long as I could. Mm -hmm. But in the 10th year, I was like, I just need to do something different. Yeah. So something I feel like really that you hear a lot is about something like the church hurt. Like you hear a lot about like yep. church hurt and it sounds like that's something that you went through. Like people talk about like, oh, well, I don't want to go to church anymore because that church did this to this member of my family or this happened. And it sounds like your family went through that, but I mean, clearly you still work in a church and you still, um, feel the church is super important. How did you like navigate that? Like with God, like, okay, these people who claim to love you and worship you really hurt me, but like, I know you still have a place for church in our world. Like how, how did you navigate that? Yeah, that's a, that that could probably be a whole podcast just in and of itself. I know. Uh, church hurt is a very real thing. Uh, we as human beings are incredibly crafty at hurting one another. And that the church is not exempt from that for sure. You know, I, it was very it was very difficult for me at first to to imagine what some of those people did to me and my wife in particular, some of the things they said to her, which I just mm -hmm. thought were 
not only incredibly inappropriate, but just downright mean. And I, I read a book uh, years ago called The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse. Mm. And I realized there is certainly a way to abuse spirituality and use it to manipulate people and and hurt other people. And I think that was probably going on a little bit. And so when I when I decided I was going to leave that church, I originally thought that I was going to leave ministry hmm. because it was pretty painful. And so I have a very vivid memory of of a, of being at that point. And I was standing at the end of my driveway in Colorado Springs, looking at Pikes Peak, and I was on the phone with my dad. I've got a great relationship with my parents. My parents awesome. are my heroes. Uh, my dad, just a person of wisdom. And I said, Dad. I can't take this anymore. Would you just hire me? My dad worked for, was the vice president of a very large automotive company. And I said, just, could you just give me a job? I'll do anything. You know, I don't care what I'll, I'll sweep the floors. I just, I just can't do this anymore. And my dad said, you know, I could do that. And I will. He said, but I don't think you'd be happy because it's not really what you're called to do. Mm -hmm. And I, I realized that my, my calling comes from God more than anywhere else. And I, I worship and serve God first, not people. Hmm. And sometimes it sometimes we blur the, the lines, particularly in the church, and we equate what people do to us with what God has done to us. And that's just not the case. Right. Though it can be hard to separate the two. And so I realized, yeah, these these people hurt me, but it wasn't God. It was just broken people um, doing things that broken people do. And so I realized I'm, I'm going to serve God in the church. And I, I realize that there's going to be times where it's difficult, but I'm not going to allow the experience of a small, but rather uh, divisive group of people derail what I believe I'm called to do with my life. I guess I didn't expect we were going to go in this direction, but I do have a couple of questions following up that. Um, yeah. So for those listening to this podcast um, right now, I'm guessing it's a lot of my family and friends because we are right at the beginning. And I have a lot of friends who are kind of in this like limbo with they're just not sure how they feel about the church. Some of them have feel like they have like a really strong relationship with God. Others almost got so hurt by the church that they um became more of like agnostic, like just not sure what they believe. And um, of course, like when there's moments I try to like speak into their life and just like explain like why I feel such a close relationship with God and why the church is so important to me. But um, coming from you who leads a church, is there any like, I guess, practical advice you would give to someone who's maybe gone through church hurt to try to like move past it? Yeah, you know, it, it. Yes, I mean, I think that doing, you know, talking with with people in either a therapeutic type relationship or maybe another pastor or um, spiritual director that can help navigate some of the pain, mm -hmm. I think is incredibly appropriate and helpful. I saw a therapist for a long time to work through some of this stuff, and it was very helpful mm -hmm. to me. And, and, you know, you, you've got to find your people, not, mm -hmm. you're not going to fit in every church. I mean, there's going to be a, a group, an, a, an expression of Christianity that you connect with deeply. Mm -hmm. That's why there's so many churches and there's a lot of great churches. Uh, and I, there's a lot of great churches in our area. Some of them I would go to, some of them I would not, not because they're bad. They just, it's just not a good fit for me. Right. 
So finding the right fit, because we all need community. And the, the Bible, I mean, when you read the Bible and you really take the words of Scripture seriously, the Scripture says a lot about the community of faith. And you don't find a lot of individual individuality in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You find a lot of community. Not to say that faith isn't personal in some aspects, but it's much more communal mm-hmm. than it is individual. And I, I think it's hard to live out the Christian faith in the way that I believe God intended without a faithful community surrounding you. Mm-hmm. And, and so finding that group of people, who, whoever they are and whatever that looks like, I think is, is incredibly important in, in a faith journey. Absolutely. That's really good advice. And I mean, I think during COVID, I really noticed like, um, I mean, you know, having those online services, like there's just such a different feel Yeah, watching it online and then like being in the church. Like it's just, it, it's hard to like explain unless you are part of it. And I guess that's would be my urge to people too. Like if you haven't found maybe the right church for you, like I guess I would urge you to keep exploring. Cause I mean, when my family found Northbrook, um, that was when my mom started to get really sick. And like I honestly don't think without our church, like Evan, my brother and I like would be where we are. Cause like it, that was like our safe place on Sundays. And for some Sundays for some reason have always been like really sacred in our family. Like we go to church and then we um, would always like watch football if it was on. And then after football, we'd go play tennis. And that was just kind of like our day of just like peace and safety. And um, I don't know, Sundays have always been really important to me. And I mean, I'll admit I've gotten to patterns where I'm like, no, like the week has been really crazy. And like, especially since starting my job, I think I was like going, going and with people all week that I'm like, oh, I don't need to be with people again on a Sunday, which is, but then I found like, okay, if I get into now, okay, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go be in the presence of people. It's a completely different feeling than like being with people all week at your job. And then being in a space where everyone's like worshiping the God that created all of us and created the moon and the stars and all these beautiful things and is the reason that we're here. So I just really love your advice and thank you so much for sharing that. And I had no idea we'd go in that direction, but I think that's super cool. Yeah. Follow where it goes. Absolutely. Um, so to kind of wrap things up, um, so you're now at Northbrook, which is the church I attend. You married my husband and I, you're a super important person in my whole family. Cause you've really helped us walk through, um, a lot of really, really hard things. Um, so tell me how now you got to Northbrook and I guess what that is like for you. And I guess what your life is like now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so I, I, I have a very vivid memory. Uh, I was, again, I was in Colorado Springs. I was contemplating my future, trying, I knew I was going to leave. I just didn't know where I was going to go. And I, I can still see it like it happened yesterday. I got out of my car in the parking lot and I was halfway between my car and the door to our church and my phone rang. And it was a guy uh, representing Northbrook Church in Richfield, Wisconsin. Wow. And he, he said, hey, I just we, we saw something about you online. Would you be interested? And I'm like, Wisconsin? Where is Wisconsin? <laughs> I'd never been to Wisconsin. And I talked to him a little bit and I said, you know, I just don't I don't think I want to move to Wisconsin. And he said, well, would you at least talk 
with the committee on the phone, no strings attached. I said, fine, I'll, I'll talk. I'll have a conversation with anybody. Mm-hmm. So we set that up and I, I talked with them and it went fine. It went well. And then a couple of days later, they called me back and said, hey, they really, really connected with that conversation you had. Would you be willing to fly out here uh, and just check out the place? Again, no strings attached. You don't got to commit to anything. Just just come and we'll, we'll cover all your expenses, of course, and just just come see what we're about. And I said, uh, I don't know. But I, I said, fine, great. I'll go. I'll, I'll come. And so my wife and I came out here and spent some time with uh, the people here. And we just go, we pause and said, hmm, this is an interesting, interesting situation. They Northbrook had been without a pastor for about a year. So it was, you know, needing some realignment. And I left and they called again and said, hey, we'd like to you know, offer you this job. Uh, I, would you come back out? And and we did. And, you know, I originally I even tried to talk the board out of hiring me because I didn't I didn't I don't know. I what? just didn't. Yeah. But would you they, do that? I just I said, well, they said to me, they said, you know, we really want a young guy to come. And at the time I was 34. And I said, are you sure you want a young guy? Because you don't know what you're going to get with a young guy. And. You know, I would say things like that, but wow. for whatever reason, there was just a lot of synergy and connection between myself, the staff, and the board. Mm-hmm. And so I agreed to move here. And so I moved my family halfway across the country, did not know a single soul in Wisconsin. We moved here uh, in 2009, and it has probably been the best experience of my entire life. Aww. This this church has been um, incredibly healing and life giving for me, but I I think I've also been healing and life giving for them. I I, I kind of tell people sure. that sometimes we found each other at just the right moment in history mm-hmm. when we both needed something, and uh, it's just been a, a great experience. I'm not going to say it was easy. I mean, anytime you work with people, it's difficult, and mm-hmm. we've had our difficult days. But I have loved being here. My family loves being here. My wife loves this church. And so it's just just been an incredible experience to pastor this church. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I know I speak for myself. I speak for my family and I speak for so many others in our community. And I feel like we don't tell the people um, because I hear so many things about you like behind the scenes. And I feel like you never tell the people that you're like talking about like, hey, like thank you so much for what you're doing. Like you're doing a great job. And I know of course, like all glory be to God because he's why you're here and he's able to speak through you so beautifully. But I just, I just want to, first of all, just thank you so much for all you do for our community. Because honestly, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. Like, so we're just very fortunate to have you. And I know you've led so many people um, to Jesus, including some of my friends and my family members. So I'm just, I'm really thankful for you, Mike. Um, So yeah, I'm so happy that your family took that leap. And I'm so happy that like your family enjoys being in this community. That's just a really cool added piece to it. Um, So I guess just to kind of wrap things up, what is like your favorite part about Northbrook Church? 100% the people. Hmm. I just really love the people here. I mean, that's why I do what I do. So I just, there's a great group of people here. We're not always perfect. Some of us are quirky, but boy, I just, this has been a great group of people to do life with. Wow. That's amazing. Awesome. Awesome. 
Well, Mike, I just appreciate you so much being on the show. I appreciate you sharing your bravest moment. And I love that the direction that this podcast took, because I think it's really going to help a lot of people. Oh, I do have one more question that I've never gotten to ask you and I've always wanted to. And maybe this is like a cliche, but like, what is what is your favorite um, story from the Bible? What's your favorite story? If you had to pick one. Oh, man, there's a lot. Holy cow. One of my favorite stories is the story of of Jesus healing a blind man. Mm. He, Jesus healing the blind man. And he's the story basically goes. It, uh, it's it's in uh, John chapter nine. And they meet this man who's blind and the disciples say to Jesus, was it because this man sinned or his family sinned that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither it. It was so that the glory of God may be displayed. And Jesus kneels down on the ground, spits in the dirt and makes mud hmm. and wipes it on the man's eyes. And he can see, which really kind of is a little bit of a gross way to do it. But that's what he chose to do. And I think there was meaning behind it, because when he did it, he did that healing on the Sabbath, which would have been very offensive to the Jewish leadership because you cannot do work on the Sabbath and making mud would have constituted work. And so the the Pharisees get really worked up at what Jesus had done. And so they question the blind man about Jesus and who healed him. And they said, isn't this man that healed you a sinner? And the blind man uh, looks at the Pharisees. And it's one of my favorite lines from the Bible. The the, the blind man looks at the Pharisees and says, I, I don't know whether this man's a sinner or not. Hmm. There's only one thing I do know. I once was blind and now I see. And that just to me is such a moving story. Absolutely. Uh, in the Bible. I don't, I don't know a lot. There's a, a lot of things about faith and religion I don't fully understand. Mm -hmm. But one thing I do know, I once was blind, but now I see. You just taught on this. And I remember I wrote in my, I brought my little like notebook in a church and yeah. I wrote, Jesus was a rule breaker. <laughs> I thought that was so, I thought that was yeah. so funny. Cause I, I sometimes get in my head about like when I do things that I guess go against like maybe societal norms. Or, and then I loved having that in like my notebook, like Jesus, but Jesus broke the rules. Like Jesus didn't do things the way that the world told him to do them. He did, he did his own thing so that he could make the biggest difference in other people's lives. And like you had said, like the whole concept of like, I was blind, but now I see, like I was looking at the world one way. And once I met Jesus, like I'm able to see it a completely different way. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really good story. And I've been loving like reading the book of John. Um, Cause once you started that sermon series, I've been kind of like working through that book and I just, I don't know. I love the way the book of John's written. So Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so, so much for being, um, being on this podcast. Thank you so much for being, um, leading such an amazing church. And thank you so much for being part of me and my family's life. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's been, been, a, been a privilege to be here. You guys, if you loved this episode or you enjoyed any of my other episodes, please, please, please give a rating on whatever platform you're listening. It helps the show so much and means the world to me to hear your feedback. If you'd like to follow along with more from me and my friends and just to hear more about my day-to-day -day life, please follow me on social media, which is Be Brave with Emma B on Instagram or Facebook. I so look forward to hearing from you guys and becoming friends.